never know. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, so you have to be careful. Okay, well, I'm going to have a, this message will be a short message, okay? Uh, just something the Lord shared with me, yay. <laughs> yay, I'd be saying yay if I heard that. I don't like long messages unless it's really, the Lord really, very anointed. But the Lord, I watched a television show a few weeks ago, it was a forensic, forensic science show. And uh, it was about a, it's a, it was a true story that they were sort of going back and, you know, it was a police case kind of story. But it was about a, a, a couple, and the husband was basically poisoning the wife with arsenic. And the guy was a really a sharp guy who was doing this, and because he, wasn't, he didn't just give her a big dose at one time and kill her. He was doing just a little bit at the time, and, you know, and over a period of time she was getting sick, and, of course, went going to doctors, and, you know, they couldn't find out what was wrong with her. Uh, they ran all kinds of tests on her, and really because of the doses of arsenic was, was so small, it wasn't showing up in the, your typical test. And uh, finally one day a nurse uh, there overheard the husband on the phone talking to someone and didn't sound right to her. Uh, and this nurse was obviously being used by the Lord. She asked the uh, doctors if they would run another type of test, a higher level test, and which, which you know, she was uh, evidently a nurse who had a lot of clout in the hospital, and they listened to her. And so they ran this test, and in this test they used, you know, hair samples and that kind of thing. And they really found that, she, you know, arsenic was in her system, uh, and you know, in the hair, evidently, it really, you know, you can detect it in the hair where you can't detect it in the rest of part of your body. So, uh, fortunately, they was able to save the woman's life uh, because then they knew how to treat her. It, it severely uh, damaged the woman; uh, that she was scarred from it. And uh, of course, she lived and <clears throat> lived to remarry and see this guy, you know, put in penitentiary for trying to murder her. And so that's sort of something I was sort of fascinated with. That I'm fascinated with that kind of stuff anyway, scientific kind of things. And uh, but the Lord spoke to me this week, and it sort of reminded me of that show. And He, I uh, was reading the scripture in Matthew 27 and verse 33 and 34. If you want to catch those lights back there, there you go. If you want to read up there. It says, when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. So he refused. And, and basically what they were trying to do for Jesus, actually they were actually trying to help Jesus. They weren't trying to you know, be uh, mean to him. Uh, is they were giving him this, this wine that had this gall in it. Uh, and the basic what the gall is, it's a poison. And from what they, you know, if you read books that study this kind of stuff, it's, uh, they think it came from a poppy seed. Uh, and the purpose of it was to numb his pain. That's really what they were trying to do. Evidently, that was a typical thing they did with, with people who were being crucified. They gave them this so they, they wouldn't suffer so much. You know, it was like a sedative almost. And, uh, but the Lord wouldn't, wouldn't drink it. In other words, the Lord knew, you know, he tasted it, but he realized what it was and he refused it because he knew, uh, you know, he was there to suffer for us. 
And I, I got interested about Gaul. If you really study Gaul in the Bible, uh, found out it, in all the places in the Bible, pretty much all the places in the Bible, it, it's, it speaks of bitterness. Is whenever the Bible talks about Gaul and other places, bitterness. And um, what happens, and that's really what I want to talk to you briefly about this morning, is about bitterness. Because uh, it, it really spoke to me when I really saw this, is what bitterness does to a person, bitterness is like a sedative when we're in pain. When we're hurting and when we're suffering, bitterness uh, cloaks that pain. It's like taking a, you know, like taking Tylenol for a headache. You know, Tylenol doesn't cure headaches; it just covers the pain of the headache. And that's what bitterness does to a person who's being, who's going through difficulties in that life. That so, it is as human beings, it's easy for us to become bitter. It really is, but it's much easier to be bitter than to bear the cross. It takes, in other words, it takes the pain away, and that's why it's so easy for us become bitter people. Now, most of the time, it's like that show I saw. Most of the time, the enemy does not give us a dosage of bitterness that will kill us at one time. That's just not the way he works. So what He does the same thing that man did. That's why I was fascinated. That's why I thought, man, that guy, that guy is clearly demonic. What he was, it was clearly demonic what he was doing. He was clearly demonically clever on how to kill this woman. He had studied it and researched it and figured out how to fool doctors on a basic level until they really went after it. But that's really what happens to us. There's things that happen to us in our lives as Christians, as believers in Christ, that, you know, resentment is one of them. Resentment is a doorway to bitterness. We resent something. Somebody does something to us and we resent it. We see what resentment is beginning. It's like a small dose of bitterness that's given to us. And when we drink that, when we accept that, it's like we are slowly, we're being poisoned. And see, all of us, all of us, every one of us in this room are having to deal with this all the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? All the time there's people that's, that do things to us, say things to, things to us, or situations happen to us in our lives where we've got to deal with this, where we have to choose. Either we're going to suffer or we're going to relieve the pain by starting to resent, become angry, become mad. Are you all with me this morning? Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? So I think this is something we've got to, we've got to face. Uh, let's look in Acts 8.23. Let's, let's just see what it's... This is a very good scripture. This is, uh, you know, uh, they were speaking to a man who was uh, obviously a, a guy who was gifted demonically, and, and uh, he was trying to get in on what God was doing. And this is what was said to him. He, they said, For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness. And bound by iniquity. And if you study that literally, New American Standard Bibles, that's really how, that's the literal right there, more of a literal translation. I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. The gall. And, and if you look up uh, gall in the Webster Dictionary, that's what it, it, the, one of the definitions it gives is poison. You see what I'm saying? We're poisoned by it. So really what happens to us, we, we get this poison in our, our system. Okay? And... and Turn to Ephesians 4. Let's read what that says about, about the same subject. Ephesians 4, verse 30 through 32. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. 
and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You see, that, that shows you another doorway of bitterness is unforgiveness. It's when, when somebody hurts us and we refuse to forgive, that's like a, a, another little dose, another little dose of gall into our, our spirit, into our hearts. And we're, we're slowly but surely uh, uh, dying. Uh, and, and, and the terrible thing about what it clearly says there is this is something that really grieves the Holy Spirit. It really grieves. In other words, this is something that makes the Holy Spirit sad. See, we can quench the Holy Spirit. That's one thing. But grieving Him, you know, those are two, two separate things that happen between us and God. Is we grieve Him and we quench Him. And this is something that really grieves. This is something that really hurts Him and makes Him feel bad, you know, in that sense towards us. So when we have this bitterness lodged in us, it actually makes the Holy Spirit sad. You got that? Now let's turn over to Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 16. This is another great scripture that's probably used a lot. And we've talked about it a lot, probably. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, with which, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. See, now we all of a sudden the grace of God and bitterness and all this stuff is starting to get interconnected. Peace of God. Uh, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. So you see what, what he's saying there. The writer of Hebrews is saying there. You see, there's something that was planted in you and planted in you and planted in you. And then one day in your life, it is suddenly going to spring up and bear a lot of fruit in your life. And that fruit's going to be trouble. It's going to cause trouble in your life. Bitterness is going to cause a lot of trouble in your life. Like the woman, you know, that was in, on this television show, she was being slowly but surely poisoned. She didn't know it. Then one day she was at school, she was a school teacher, and she just flat collapsed in front of, you know, just, you know, got severely sick, just out of the blue. Went to the doctor, got okay. They, you know, she seemed to be okay. Went, you know, went back to work. A few weeks later, same thing. And suddenly this thing would spring up in her and it would come out and the fruits of it and in, in, in her it was killing her. All right, it goes on, it says, and by this many become defiled. You see, bitterness does not only affect you, it affects people around you. I think we all have been around bitter people, okay? People who are bitter, you know, you tend to want to put a buffer between you and somebody who's bitter, right? In other words, you, you sort of walk on eggshell around them because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know they might blow up, explode. You just sort of have to feel like you've got to protect yourself from people like that. Y'all understand what? Y'all, I mean, we're not idiots. People are not idiots. People understand that. They feel this bitterness. They, they sense it. I mean, people who are not even Christians recognize bitterness in people. Uh, and then it goes on and talks about one of the most bitter people in the Bible, obviously, because this is a person they used... Uh, at least there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Obviously, one of the issues that Esau had in his heart was resentment and bitterness towards his brother. Which he, and it, I didn't put the other scripture, verse 17. It says he sought repentance. Listen to this. This is, this is one of those scriptures in the Bible that blows my He sought repentance with tears but couldn't find it. He couldn't never get He could never repent. He could never get it right. And that was obviously the reason he could never repent was because he had never forgiven his brother. Therefore, God didn't release forgiveness to him because the Bible's clear. Was, unless we forgive, we can't be forgiven. So even though he wanted to be forgiven, he begged God. He cried and cried out to God and wept for it because he harbored unforgiveness in his heart. There was a blockage there spiritually. 
and you know the Bible doesn't have good things. So you can see that bitterness is something that not only it will mess you up, it will throw you off in your very destiny and purpose that God has for you. It really will. I know people who have tremendous destinies in God, tremendous things that God, they're gifted people, but they're bitter people, therefore they never walk in it. You'll see them occasionally. They'll move into something, and then there'll be this, suddenly something will explode in their life, and there they are. They're put aside. And they spend years like that, years like that, poisoning. They're poison. And, and they poison other people. They say stuff to other people that's wrong, and, and it messes them up. You know, nobody, you know, we don't really like that. We don't want to be around people like that. We've had people in our church like that, and when they left, we were honestly happy they left. The reason being not that we were happy that they went away not fixed, we were happy because they were defiling the body of Christ. They were defiling our body, and we couldn't help them. They refused help. And, and we just felt like, well, it's better for them to go somewhere else. Maybe they can go somewhere else and find, find help there, find deliverance there, find healing there. Because obviously we weren't going to be able to do it. I, I found this also. It, bitterness affects us spiritually. It affects us emotionally. And it affects you in your body, your physical body. It will make you sick. I'm convinced a lot of the sicknesses that people have. And doctors, we probably could get a doctor in here this morning and probably could tell you all kinds of things. You know, it's been proven about unforgiveness. That's one of the great things that makes people sick. And unforgiveness is simply a doorway for bitterness. It just, you know, high blood pressure, ulcers, you know, I believe cancers, all those things. It opens us up to uh, these kinds of things. Now, so it really doesn't just affect you spiritually and just derails you from walking in your purposes and, and what God's created you. It can cause your life to come to an end prematurely. So you see, we're dealing with something that's pretty, you know, profoundly important. All right, and this is the other one that really spoke to me. Uh, in a big way, is Mark 10, verse 37 through 38. This is when uh, James and John, uh, apostles of Christ, wanted, you know, they went to Jesus and said, we want you to do something special for us. Well, they were asking for this place of great authority. You know, they wanted to sit at Jesus' right hand and left hand. That's what they wanted to do, which was, hey, who doesn't want to sit there? Anybody here would like to sit at Jesus' right hand or left hand? I would. I mean, you know, Lord, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's a bad request necessarily to say, Lord, we would love... I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, you'd have to be stupid. You'd admit, you're, you know, you're messed up if you want to sit there beside Jesus. Uh, they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Now, this is important. Okay, Jesus drank the cup of, of God's will, and His will was the cross, His will that He had to suffer. That's what the cup He was talking about. That's why when this other cup, this cup of gall, this cup of bitterness type that was given to Jesus, that's why He refused it. Because He said, no, I'm already drinking it. I've realized I've got to suffer. And, and I'm not going to drink this demonic cup that was given to me to sort of make me feel better in my suffering. Okay? Are you able to drink that cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? So here's what happens to people. Okay? This is a classic. I have seen many gifted people, spiritually gifted people, that have true gifts from God, but they lack spiritual authority. Do y'all understand there's a, big, there's a difference between authority and gifting? God can give you a gift, but 
I'm telling you something. Without authority, it's hard to make things really... Without spiritual authority, it's hard to make things work. It really is. You know, in other words, if God doesn't open a door, it doesn't no matter how gifted you are, it ain't going to work. That's why you can be very gifted and not ever really get anywhere in God's kingdom. Because you... I've, what I've seen, I've seen people get offended. They get their feelings hurt. What do they do? They withdraw. What are they doing, really? What they're doing is they're drinking the cup. Ease my pain. My feelings are hurt. Ease my pain. Let me drink a little bit of this. It's easier for me to drink this than press through this, go through this thing that was obviously God-ordained in my life, or at least God allowed it in my life. So I would rather drink this cup and become a little bitter, be resentful, be unforgiving, you know? And they never come into true spiritual authority. Now, you think about James and John. They came into great authority. Great authority. But think about this. If there was anybody in the Bible that had a reason to be resentful, it was John, Apostle John. This is what happened to him later. When Jesus said, Jesus went and said, you're going to drink this cup, but you sure are going to drink it no matter what. And I can't, even though I can't give you this spot, you're drinking this cup. And this was part of his cup. Later, you know, after the... Pentecost and all the good things that happened in the book of Acts, Herod took James, this same guy who was in, you know, John's brother, James the Apostle, and cut his head off, killed him, okay? When Herod saw that, it says in the, in the I can't remember which chapter it's in, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, guess what he does? Hey, they're happy, you know, Herod was a political guy. So he goes and grabs Peter, tosses Peter in jail. Peter's thrown up in jail. He's going to kill Peter the next day. Guess what the Lord does for Peter? He sends an angel in there, Peter, let's go. We're, you're being freed. Now, if I'm John, I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute, Lord. Why didn't James get freed? He got his head cut off. Peter got set free. I, he had a cause for resentment. He had a cause to be resentful towards God. He had a cause to be bitter. Of course, he didn't step into that. Do you see what I'm saying to you? I mean, I would have been profoundly upset... If I had a brother who was in a, a situation and then Andy got to go free and my brother got his head chopped off, and I'm thinking, well, heck, Andy got to go free. What kind of deal is this guy? Now, is that not normal stuff that we go through? Yeah. Maybe not as extreme. I'm saying normal in the, in, the, the, in the course of life, offenses come. In the course of life, people hurt your feelings. In the course of life, people do things to you that hurt you. In the course of life, people lie to you. Those things happen in the course of life. Let me say, in the course of church life, they happen. In the course of the kingdom of God life, they happen. They are truly unavoidable. And, you know, that's why the Scripture alludes to these, or doesn't allude to it, it says, bear, it talks about taking up your cross, and, you know, we don't really understand that really, really thoroughly. But I do believe what God wants to say to people this morning is God wants us to deal with those things in our heart. I mean, there's people in this room, I know you have been hurt by an ex-spouse or somebody close to you or a pastor or a friend or somebody has hurt you in your life. And, you know, truly, it is, this is a hard thing to deal with. It truly is. You know, un, you know, not, you know unforgiveness is really pretty easy, honestly. I just ain't going to forgive them, Lord, you know, and hold grudges. Those things are easy to do. Anybody could not forgive. The world is full of unforgiving people. The church is full of unforgiving people. 
The church is full of resentful people. There's people, I, I know this, there's people in this room that you're, you have resentment, you have bitterness in your hearts towards just the Lord because of maybe the way your life has gone. Things didn't go the way you thought they would go. You know? But you see what's happening to you, you are being poisoned little by little by little by little. It doesn't all happen in a day because the devil's not a fool. You know? In that sense, he's not a fool. He knows that's the way to get you, to slip it in on you, to stick the dagger in your back. So really what I feel like what God wants to do is I think this is, this is what we have to do, is we have to be honest with God about this stuff. We've we got to get brutally honest with him. Lord, I am really hurt by this person. And Lord, I know it is so wrong to not forgive him, but I just would like to kill him. <laughs> Forget forgiveness, Lord. I want to kill the person. I hate them. I mean, that's getting honest with God and letting God work forgiveness in your heart. Letting God remove resentment from your heart. Giving it to Him, allowing Him, and just being, and it may take. I went through a situation. It took me two years to get through that thing where I had no unforgiveness. I had no resentment. It took me two years to do it. But I knew that was like one of the ultimate tests of God in my life is you will not go anywhere. You will be stuck in your life. In fact, you will lose any authority you've ever had if you don't get through this. And it is the grace of the Lord that gets us through it. It is Him who does it in us. It is submitting to Him and saying, this is wrong. It's wrong to not forgive. It's wrong to resent. It's wrong to hold grudges. It's wrong to hate. Because it's, you know, it's, it's biblically wrong and it's killing me. And I don't want to lose my, what God has for me in my life over what somebody else did. You know, we've said it before, and speaking about forgiveness is, you know, forgiveness, and this guy, Dudley Hall, made this statement. Oh, it was a great statement. And thinking about God, he said, uh, you know, refusing to forgive somebody is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, I mean, he said that, and that's really what it's like. We're going to be the ones that's going to suffer when we don't forgive. We're, the, we're going to be the ones that's going to suffer when we hold resentment in our hearts. There's young people, and you've got resentment against your parents, something your parents did to you, didn't raise you right. Or all these things, all these things. And what God wants to do is say to you this morning, that you have bitterness there, and it's, and it's like an arson, and it's going to kill you, it's going to destroy you. And he's saying, if you come to me, you know, I'll help you with it. If you come to me, I'll get it out of your life. I'll get it out of your system. And uh, so this morning we were going to, that's really what I wanted to do is with communion. Is, is let's get real with God this morning. Let's, let's get real real with Him about these things. And yes, we've been all week, Lord, show me. Do, you know, I don't know that I have resentment towards anybody right now. I've got a couple of people I'm sort of aggravated with, you know. <laughs> And that's all right to be aggravated, but, you know, is it growing in me? Is it something? Have I got this thing against this person? Have I got this thing I want to I put it to them? Is that really happening in my life? You know, ask the Lord. Some of you don't have to ask Him. Some of you know this morning. Some of you know you're in bitterness. Okay? Some of you know it. Some of you know that. And, and I think the Lord's saying to you this morning, He's offering you an opportunity this morning to start down the pathway of healing. Start down the pathway of real freedom. Not just 4th of July freedom, but, but freedom in Christ. That's real freedom. Now, he, you know, that's really what he's offering you this morning. 
You know, Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, pressing on to the upward call of God in Christ. And that's really what the Lord would like for us to do is resolve some things from our past in our lives. Just bring, you know, just bring them to closure. We don't have to keep looking back there anymore and let's press on to the upward call of God in Christ. Let's move on with our lives. Let's, get, let's let the Lord begin the process. And for some of you, it could be an instant thing. You could walk out of here today completely healed, completely delivered. For some of you, it may just be a beginning moment. You may be blessed to spend the next several months working through this. And I say blessed because you'll be walking down the will of God in your life. And for some of you, if you refuse to hear the Lord today, well, you'll get to hear the Lord again down the road. I mean, because the Lord is a gracious God. But, you know, something Arthur Burton told us years ago about inflation. Okay? Everybody understands what inflation is. In other words, I can buy a car today for, say, $10,000. Okay? I can wait six weeks and buy that same car for $12,000. That's inflation because inflation... And one thing we were taught early on as Christians, when God speaks to you, go to the table, do business with God, because it won't cost you as much. But if you don't do business then, the next time, in other words, he was saying inflation runs rapid in the kingdom of God. And he, I found that to be true, unfortunately, the hard way. Because you know? I wouldn't listen. I was bullheaded, and I'm somewhat still, but a little bit quicker now, because it's like, I need to hide this thing, Lord. You ever seen that? I'll just tell you one last thing. Let's stop. This is great. This is a great. There's this movie with Clint Eastwood. There was orangutans. Remember those movies? And Clint Eastwood was like a professional street fighter. And the whole movie was about him going to fight this other guy who was a street fighter. And he had this orangutan that hung around with him. That was, I don't remember, every which way but lose or something. Well, anyway, he, got, he fights this guy. And, you know, this other guy, he's a bad dude. And Clint beats him, whips the guy. So he's the undisputed street champion fighter. End of the movie, him, him and his buddy and his ranch are going down the road and they stop somewhere and there's this punk guy, you know, who knows, you know, I'm going to fight you, man. You know, you're the baddest dude. I'm going to beat you. So this guy hauls off and hits old Clint and just nails him, knocks him out. He's on the ground. You know, the guy, now I'm the man. You know, I'm the best one. And gets in this car or truck or probably pickup truck. You know, these are real serious redneck guys. Leaves and... The guy, Clint's buddy, was just astounded. Like, Dad, wow, this guy's the baddest guy in the world. This guy just knocked him out for one punch. What happened? He wasn't, what happened? He just jumps up. <laughs> you know? I just didn't feel like messing with the guy, honestly. <laughs> you know? Didn't get hurt by it. I don't even know why I told you that story. <laughs> anyway, I love that story for some reason. <laughs> no, what I was telling you that story was this. You know, sometimes God just comes to you. And instead of wanting to fight him, Lord, you know, he just smashed you. That's the way you feel he just smashed you. I'm going down now. I am not going to get back up and take another couple more rounds with you, God. I'm going to just go ahead and go down, even if you didn't hit me that hard. And be done with this deal. Amen. Just go ahead and submit. Lord, I lose. I give up. I surrender. I was a big fighter of God, honestly. God tell me something I don't want to argue with him. Man, learning like, hey, forget arguing with God. He always wins. Just let him have his way. You know? He's in charge anyway. I don't want my way. So, what I wanted to do, you know, this is why, this is what I, really what I want to share with us this morning, is I believe God really and truly wants to deliver us from things like bitterness, things like resentment, things like hard feelings, you know, anger, all those things that really stop God from moving in our life, all those things that can take us out, all those things that can hurt our families, hurt the body of Christ, hurt the will of God. 
I, I really believe the Lord wants to do that. And I believe the Lord, you know, this morning, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the way we can begin is when you come in here and take communion. Lord, you know, I want to be vitally connected to you, a common union with you, Jesus. That's what, you know, communion really is, is signifying that we, we are commonly connected with the Lord. And as you do that, you start submitting, Lord, I'm submitting this anger to you. I'm submitting this bitterness to you. I'm submitting this stuff so I can be free from it, Lord, and I won't have to live with it. Becky said she had something to say. I just wanted to share this, and I think my daughter would be okay, but I might be yeah, in trouble. Yeah, that's a good word. Share that. Um, she ain't here, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm her daddy. I still exercise parental <laughs> oversight here. She'd be slapping me around if she heard that. For you, we have a daughter, Grace. Um, she um, was married last year, uh, graduated from college, and married last year and she lived in a house with uh, nine girls <laughs> real opportunity for bitterness <laughs> I can do <laughs> Resentment. But they were all beautiful young Christian women they just had a great uh, fellowship with each other it was really an awesome thing um, but last year there were three of them in the house getting married and there was a lot of tension and stuff that I guess because they were all great it was just a lot going on and I guess, room for the enemy to work in. But one of her good friends, um, they fell into a difficult situation with each other and had a falling out. And it was really sad because they were both getting married. And um, and it was just, you know, the enemy, how he works. But so um, they made it through. They made it through both of their weddings and all that. But all year they've really been out with each other. And they really love each other is the sad thing about it. And they've really not had much communication. And um, it's been interesting this year. I've watched our daughter, Grace. She, um, I really have noticed that there's been sort of a damping down on her. She would probably be okay with me saying this, too. I, I just have known there's been a struggle. And I've always wondered if that was at the root of it, was this I knew she was having a year of first year of marriage, but she's having a blissful year of first year of marriage, so I knew it wasn't that. But So it was really neat. I've prayed for her. I've tried to say things to her to try to help her through that situation, but, you know, um, just wasn't really quite the time. But last week she was with us for a week, and it was the neatest thing just for, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I, I, I don't know how, but the the conversation arose about her friends and I just felt like the Lord just really came in and just helped us I just started talking to her and I encouraged her to take the lower seat in the situation to just go and say you know this was really all my fault and take the lower seat it didn't really matter anymore who did what who said what who was in the wrong but to just go and say, forgive me, I was wrong. And I just take it, you know, I'll take this. And, you know, that night it was just neat before she ever even got the opportunity to go. I saw freedom coming on her. You know, and as a mother, I just rejoiced in that because, you know, I, I knew how the Lord felt when he sees us all damp down and bogged down from bitterness and resentment. I knew that was his heart because I was seeing mine. I really hated to see the pain she had been in all year. And so it was just wonderful. We just, she repented right there at our bar, you know, and just asked the Lord to forgive her. And it was just awesome. 
to see that repentance come and and just the bondage come off. That was the thing. I saw the bondage get ripped off of her, you know, and I thought, Lord, this is what you see on us and we're laden with bondage. You see it on us and you're not out to just get us to repent. You're not some ogre just beating us trying to get us to repent. You see how laden our souls are. And you just are, you're just waiting to see this stuff peeled off of us because you see what it does to us. And the good thing was is she emailed her friend. They got together. And it was just jubilation. They just were restored instantly. And I just felt like I wanted to share that. I knew that it would be probably just a little story to help just see reality in that. Amen. Amen. She said when she shared her told her friend that just came and humbled herself to her. I, this friend's been friends since, you know, middle school. He's been on vacation with us, just, you know, we've known this girl. And she said she just busted out crying when she told her. She humbled herself said, I want to repent to you. I did you wrong. And didn't say anything about what the other girl had done. And, you know, there was issues on both sides, of course. But, you know, she just busted out crying and just immediately repented to her and they were, you know, it was like immediate restoration. And I do believe what Becky was saying is the Lord, you know, has removed the thing on grace that was keeping grace damped down. Grace still was getting dreams, getting prophetic stuff from the Lord. That's what I'm saying. But her, her spiritual life was not good. You can, you can, the gifts and calls of God are irrevocable. I mean, God gives us this stuff. But, you know, who wants a gift, man, when our lives are so damp before the Lord? And, you know, we're just miserable and... It says, without peace, no one will see the Lord. That's what that scripture in Hebrews said. God can be right next to you doing my thing and you will miss Him. Because we've, you know, the peace in our life has been broken. We've, we've broken relationships and that's no, there's no peace in that. And, you know, so the Lord really is trying to speak to people this morning and wants to set us free. And, and I believe that, you know, only the Lord can do that, of course. But I just want to encourage you in this is, you know, if you're mad at the Lord this morning about something, get with Him. You may need to go to a person. You may need to go. Now, probably the best thing you can do is like what Grace did. I'm coming. I'm at fault. I mean, in a court of law, she wasn't 100%. At, I mean, it's probably 50-50. It could have even been swung the other way. As a parent, I'd probably say it would be, but <laughs> I'm not speaking as a parent now. 50-50, okay? <laughs> Both of you got. But she said, I'm going to take full blame to get this right because I don't want to be this way no more. I don't want this dull film on my life, on my heart. I want to be able to go on with God, be released into His purposes. See God, know God. Amen? And you, so if you go, go and listen. They don't go, well, you know, Mr. Guitar Player, you've offended me. and. <laughs> Don't go like that. Go humble. Amen. Amen. So we'll do that, you know, with the communion. That's really what I really felt. I wanted to give us an opportunity to do that. If you don't have any of this, ask the Lord. Don't go try to dig something up. I'm gonna work something up here. Just ask. That's what I did. I wasn't feeling anything particular. I was just listen. This is. I was just profoundly touched when I read about that the gall thing. I thought. You know, I've never really looked at what God really is. I've really never thought about that. That's a big part of what happened with Jesus on the cross. And when I started looking at it, just, Lord, have I missed it all my life? 
know, something that you did to teach me something that's so important for my Christian walk is to not be bitter. Don't take the easy way out. Don't run. Amen? So did we have somebody help us with communion? Yeah, so why don't we do that, Andy? Can y'all do up some, some music? Yeah. And just on a, as a side note, I want us all really... Uh, I think God has more for us, okay? But it's going to require us to become more sensitive and more discerning to walk in it. Amen? So I believe the Lord really, I feel like, it's almost like we're like a bunch of kids. We come up to this prepuces, you know, whatever, you know, a prepuces is a thing you're looking down on. You know, God wants us to go further. Amen? We really need to ask the Lord to give us more discerning hearts.